actually supposed to say too. Happy Juneteenth, everyone. Uh, welcome back to Closet Socialist. I'm here with my lovely co-host, Jake Torsiello. Uh, and um, thank you so much for everybody's patience. It is good to be back, and we're finally recording one again, uh, once again. So, And I am here with my lovely co-host, Anthony Giroux. And uh, welcome to another episode of Flattening the Curve. Which is never going to happen at this goddamn point. No, it is not. No, no I, is We not. say that, and we are together in the room. Yeah, okay. First of all, just so everybody knows, in New Jersey where we are, uh, we are allowed to assemble, um, what is it, I think, 15 people inside now? Yeah, so we could get like we could easily get 13 more people in here right 13 now. more people. 13 more special guests. Yeah, 13 more special guests. Our viewers from Portugal and Germany, you're always welcome. Um, those in the United States, please stay home. <laughs> yeah, we're, no, nobody touch us. Rubby little hands. Um we're, I think we might make this a little bit more serious of an episode today, considering everything that's going on in the world. Agreed. Uh, personally, I'd like to dedicate this to our brave brothers and sisters out there fighting the good fight, as always. Yep. Um, so, yeah, that's basically kind of an intro in today's topic. Um, yeah. You know, I'm, I'm interested, and I think our, our uh, listeners will be interested as well. We did a little bit of a shake-up in the intro today. Uh, Ant, do you want to explain why you decided to shake up the intro? Yeah, so with everything going on, you know, you often look to music to give you some kind of mental framework. Um, that song in particular, I think, is just one of the most beautiful songs I've ever listened to. Just from the sound alone. Mm-hmm. I mean, if you if you if it was just instrumentation, you'd be like, "Wow, that's a great sound." Uh, but when you really look at the lyrics, you hear you know you see what's going on. Uh, it's, the song's really about just society working together. It's about police yeah. brutality. It's about you know, society ultimately trying to find peace within itself. Yeah. And that song, when it came out, it, it's it's freaky because the things that Marvin Gaye is singing about are things that could easily, and well, unfortunately, he didn't know they're all they're happening. That they're all they're all happening now. So I think, you know, more than ever before, we can look back on our history and just say like, yeah, nothing much has changed. Mm-hmm. So that's why I wanted to open with that. Um, I immediately thought of this song as soon as the protests started. And what I, I think, what I love most about this particular song is that the title is What's Going On. Yeah. And a lot of people think, oh, it's a question. There's a question mark at the end of that. It's not. Question. It's a statement. It's a statement. Because mm-hmm. Marvin knew what was going on yep. and he was about to sing it to you and yeah. let you know. Yeah. Um, <clears throat> so uh, to, to carry on, when when you had mentioned that you wanted to change the intro for today's episode, uh, especially since we're coming back from a couple week hiatus, um, I thought it was a was a phenomenal idea. I was all aboard, all, all on board with that. So I really appreciate you bringing that in. Um, secondly, um, I want to start off with two conversation starters. So one, um, just a statement to everybody: everyone's going to protest in in their own way. Whether you're out there fighting the good fight on the streets, my respect is through the roof for all of you. For those of you who are fighting the good fight on social media and really trying to spread the message of unity and belonging and peace, uh, that too is is incredibly important. And for those who are taking a back seat 
and um, and watching everything happening. I know that it's going to be very uh, stressful and there's a lot of anxiety when it comes to expressing and really standing up for these social justice things. So um, even those who may not be participating overtly uh, but are thinking about it and sending their good wills and wishes, you know, you guys are doing your part too and I just want to let you know that it's appreciated and, and I respect it. Uh, we respect it. Um, and um, we had mentioned something prior to uh, starting record, uh, starting the recording, and uh, I think it, it's it's worth bringing up prior to going into just discussing all the events. But you know, the tax on your mental health when you're watching all of these videos of police brutality, um, the message from the White House, what what's you know, as Marvin Gaye says, what's going on? Yeah. Um, it can be really exhausting, um, and it becomes even more exhausting when you're close ones and your family your friends um don't necessarily understand what what is going on yeah uh, and we were talking about before i posed the question to you people who don't understand the black lives movements and for people who you know we would consider their morals to be either abhorrent or reprehensible those who are vehemently disagreeing with the Black Lives Matter movement with no intention to try and understand or assist or build a more peaceful community. Um, do we keep those people in our lives? Are those if, if there's a loved one that you have who do, disagrees with you on this, this fundamental principle of human rights, mm -hmm. do we keep them close to us or how do we go about m managing that relationship? Yeah, this, I think it's a very valuable question because a lot of people are finding out that they're maybe their grandpas and their grandmas and their aunts and uncles and all these people in their family might harbor some interesting racial tendencies, maybe the the same tendencies that those individuals may not know that they had. So I think when it comes down to, you know, do I delete grandma and grandpa from my Facebook list? I think you kind of have to ask yourself, you know, are they willing to listen? And I think part of that comes with because uh, what's the counter argument to black lives matter all lives matter yeah and on the surface that sounds very nice but it completely ignores the struggle of what's going on it, it disregards and undermines the marginalization of minority groups yeah so and then when you when you try to have a, a, a conversation with someone about it and you say yeah like black lives matter and then their kind of argument is well well sweetie all lives matter because we're all equally important. But none I, of us are treated equally. Right, yeah. right. There's that. And I think that's kind of the opportunity to do a little education. And it doesn't have to be in like a condescending way. It doesn't even have to be in an angry way. But I think it's just explaining to them like, here's what non-white groups have been dealing with for the past, I don't know, ever. 400 years in the United States. Right. And you have to take that into account. For some reason, there likes everybody likes to do the earmuff thing around their ears and and just go la 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 la. Nothing bad ever happened. Everybody's the same. I love everybody. We all have the same opportunity. Martin Luther King. Martin Luther King. Martin Luther King. Right. We had Barack Obama. Yeah. Racism's done. And if you guys did not hear, uh, what was it? Mitch McConnell's quote on Barack Obama's election was, "We paid the sin of slavery when Obama was elected." That's disgusting. That's disgusting. I mean, I'm not surprised. It's just still disgusting oh my slavery doesn't count anymore nothing's wrong we but we voted in a black president everything's hunky-dory yeah. says the turtle right who's never had to deal with any problem in his life ever, ever. i don't know mitch mcconnell on a personal level i don't want to know i'm mitch sure McConnell. he's probably had some kind of struggle like 
maybe his shoelace broke before a really important date. <laughs> yeah, the aglet broke, so he wasn't able, and it fell out of the shoe lace hole, so he couldn't relace his shoes. Yeah, and he's like, well, now I gotta go in there looking like a doofus with just one tight shoe. Yeah, so now he had to go into his haberdashery, God forbid. Right. You know, you, you guys have a local haberdashery, I'm sure. <laughs> like, that's probably the worst thing he's ever had to deal with. And I'm sure somebody's gonna be like, well, Mitch McConnell was in war. Okay, that's wonderful, but like, coming back from that war, did he face segregation? I think not. I don't even know if he was in war. We'll have intern look that up. Yeah. Um, but yeah, so the, I guess getting back at it a little bit. If a loved one expresses the sentiment of all lives matter, I think that's when you have to say, I understand what you're trying to get at, but I don't think you're really addressing some of the strife that the black community, as well as, you know, other non-white communities have dealt with in this country it's okay to like say yeah i think black people have had it pretty rough that's okay that's fine and you being a poor white person you've had it rough too yep. but not in the same way no 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 i i completely agree with you um so quick sidebar mm-hmm. according to intern um shortly after he was diagnosed with optic neuritis and was medically deemed unfit for the military service. He's unfit for a lot of things, let's be honest. Yeah, after five weeks at Fort Knox, he was honorably discharged. Hmm. Okay, so, not much. No. He uh, He's never seen a battlefield, and I'm sure that's why he likes sending people in to fight his... Because he probably dogs. thinks it's not all that scary. Yes. <laughs> you can just hide in your shell. What's wrong with you? Yeah. <laughs> but, uh... McConnell used withdraw his defense rose. Yeah. Oh, my God. That's a Pokemon reference for you, <laughs> for you guys out there. Remember how we said we were going to start this off kind of serious? Yeah, and then sorry. It just, it really were just, <laughs> it's just slowly devolved. And then we just, yeah, we just slowly devolved into the same chuckle fucks we always are. <laughs> I, I blame Mitch McConnell. <laughs> if he wasn't so hard to look at, oh my God. it would be a different, different story. Any, any of you, please email us at closetsocialistpodcast at gmail.com please email us if any of you can find a remotely attractive photo of Mitch McConnell I don't care from what age if it was from birth when he hatched out of an egg in the marshlands of of Ohio or uh, <laughs> I don't even know if he was born in Ohio just <laughs> or when he was birthed on the beach and then had to crawl all the way back into the ocean and then he say, as he swatted away the EPA saying that he didn't want them to assist him while the seagulls were trying to attack him yeah if you can find one uh, like maybe when he, maybe when he was in puberty and his beak was just a little too large for his body, he hadn't grown into his beak yet. Right. So I mean, you know, if you can find anything mm-hmm. along those lines, please send it to us. Um, uh, I would be I would be thrilled to see a human photograph of uh, Mitch McConnell. And please do not send us pictures of Franklin. Well, hey, it's Franklin the turtle. <laughs> those are not his baby photos. Franklin is a much more attractive turtle than he. Yeah. I would definitely agree yes. with him being a much more attractive turtle. <laughs> um, getting back to our yes, okay. larger topic, yeah, yeah, back, though, back to serious. I think I think when people express the mentality of all lives matter, I think that's when you have to switch into your patience and really say, I need to take the time and talk with this person about how, you know, people have all struggled in this country, you know, where there's so many people out there right now that are without a job and they're on unemployment. And, you know, say what you will about people receiving unemployment, like, they shouldn't be making that much money um, 
Well, the argument is they shouldn't be making that much money, but the fact is they should be, and you should be making that much money and more, mm-hmm. especially if you're still working. Um, but the fact is we're all struggling right now. It's just you don't get judged for your skin color if you're a white person. You can walk around there. It's like one extra layer mm-hmm. of bullshit that you don't have to worry yeah. about. So if it, like you know, just try to empathize with. Uh, so if you're if you're listening and you are an all lives matter person, I encourage you to empathize. Right. So think about all of the daily struggles you have, where you're like, I don't have enough money for this. Um, I don't have enough money. Like my job kind of sucks. My boss is a jerk. I can't afford housing. Yeah. All that kind of stuff. I want you to picture all of those struggles, but then on top of that, change your skin color and then say to yourself, well, the police could kill me if they if things get a little heated. Yeah. That's a very real threat. Yeah, you know, um, I'm glad that you brought up that, that you know, that little metaphor. Um, sorry, everyone. Uh, I'm glad that you brought up that little metaphor. Uh, what um, I remember um, a moment in college uh, where I was taking an individual cultural and diversity class. And um, my professor, who this professor's name was Kevin Clay uh, at Rutgers University, awesome guy, brilliant guy, comes in. Um, I remember sitting in class, talking with my friends. It was a teacher education program. Mm. So the majority of us were white, if not all of us were white. I don't necessarily remember everybody in the class. But um, in walks this big black man, comes mm. in, sits at a desk, and uh, he's sitting at a front table in the room, and nobody winces. Class continues on. Um, about 10 minutes into the class period, he goes, Hey, um, do you know when the professor's going to be here? And then we're all like, Oh, yeah, class is supposed to start 10 minutes ago. We have no idea where he is. And he goes, Oh, well, I'm your professor. And I remember sitting there thinking to myself, like, Oh, my God. Well, how did I not even like fathom the thought that this guy might be my professor? The second thing that he came in and said was, uh, he goes, you know, was it because, like, he said, why why didn't you th- um, think I was your professor? And we're all like, I have no idea. He goes, well, it's because I'm black. And every, the room was silent. And he goes, how many of you have had a black professor before? None of us raised our hand. None of us. He was the first black instructor I have ever had, ever, Out of, in all my years of sports, schooling, whatever it might be. First black instructor. And then he asked, when was the first time that you ever thought about being white? And that was the first moment. That was the first moment. I was 22 years old. It was the first moment I was conscientious about my skin color, about my racial identity. The Oh, the first time. I mean, there are times where you're like, oh, yeah, I'm white. Yeah. Or like, oh, he's black or he's, you know, Native American, whatever it might be. But it was the first time that I sat there and was like almost almost like an out-of-body experience where I saw myself as a white male. Never happened before. Mm-hmm. And then it led into, well, what else haven't I thought about before? I've never thought about my socioeconomic status. I've never thought about um, where I grew up, who I grew up with. What demographic of people were around me? What type of education did I have? What type of amenities did I have around me? And it was just this surreal, like this, this surreal outtake on my life. It was a very cathartic moment for me. Um, and then I started doing research into it, and I really started paying attention in this class because I, I just thought it was fascinating. If, if anybody could challenge me within the first two minutes 
of a graduate class. I was like, this guy is a fountain of knowledge and awareness. That I, I, I need to learn from him. Mm-hmm. Um, and I started doing more research, and you know, I started I started recognizing because I had initially thought that like, oh well, people like to associate with people who are like them. So white people stay with white people. Uh, Asian people stay with Asian people. Um, you know, black people stay with black people. That's what, that's what I thought. You know, that's how I grew up. Um, it was the first time that I started seeing it as a much more complex situation where your race is a, a, almost like a byproduct of de facto segregation with redlining based, or, you know, redlining was more or less just a continuation of Jim Crow at that point. But uh, this is in the, the late 30s. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, I started recognizing that racial issues were so in were in such lockstep with um, socio socioeconomic issues. Mm-hmm. In that people who are uh, black people typically are in more lower socioeconomic areas and therefore are. Um, uh- I apologize if there's like a weird cut or anything. There was like a door creaking in the background. That was just our producer walking in. Uh, so the show is getting kind of dark. Um, I don't know. We had to make some make it lighter somehow, even though it's a serious topic. Yeah. So we tried turning on a few lights in the basement to see if that would change anything, but uh... they didn't appreciate our candor and they walked away. <laughs> so we we moved to our secondary location. It's a more fortified. Uh, hidden area in yes. new jersey so we'd like to apologize to john mulaney if uh, he's listening to our podcast that we've moved to a secondary location we know how terrified he is of those especially because we're both hippies in a way <laughs> like we like we're hit we're hippies that get haircuts though so. we do yeah. yeah um unless of course it's quarantine Ed, i haven't gotten a haircut in four months it is getting very shaggy and uh i mean i get a haircut in 10 days uh, I'm planning on walking in in a hazmat suit and yeah. just telling her to work around the suit. You know? <laughs> Bowl cuts are everywhere. I've been cutting my own hair. Have you really? Yeah, I saved $25. And, uh, I feel like this is turning into a Geico commercial. <laughs> yeah. Ask me about my haircut. Now you can save upwards of $25 on it. Yeah. Oh, that's funny. Now, now offering haircut insurance. Yeah. Oh, my God. You'd be such a liability if you cut your own hair and you had haircut insurance. Or just went to Supercuts or Grey Clips. <laughs> um, you get a phone call the next day. Hello, sir. This is a, a, your haircut insurance representative from Geico. We saw that you went to Supercuts. Um, we're not covering that. <laughs> That's going to... That, I mean, whatever you paid for that, you're not going to get reimbursed for that. I just, it looks like shit, though. <laughs> I just want to let you know that we do not cover pieces of shit people like you for going to super cuts <laughs> where they tell you they have a zero for a fade but then they can't really do it because the smallest thing they have is a one and really the scissors are just two butter knives that they put together with duct tape and yeah. just kind of chop along your hair whatever comes off comes off yeah and they also don't use like <laughs> they don't use like a hair dryer they just <laughs> so it's, it's, take it's a while. borderline <laughs> sexual harassment honestly oh uh... <laughs> How do you want to transition back into Black Lives uh, Matter and all of the protests and all of the horrors going on in the country right now? We're just going to be abrupt. <laughs> yeah, let's just let's get back right into it. Uh, so I, I, I was talking about before socioeconomic issues mixed in with uh, with race relations. So it's it's um, it's no it's no mystery 
that minority populations are in more lower socioeconomic areas. Um, people who are in lower socioeconomic areas typically have massively, uh, or shouldn't you say massively, just have in general um, low, less opportunities for success than those born into wealthier areas. Well, lower achieving schools, competing charter schools, which are taking funding away from public schools. Um, if you're a charter school fan, um, respect to you. I, I'm a public school teacher. I don't want come to public school. Um, <laughs> we'll, we'll talk after class. <laughs> I like that. Uh, but it, it's we were talking about Ben Shapiro earlier. Oh man, ben, friend of the show. Yeah, the cool kids philosopher. I don't even want to call him a friend of the show, foe of the show. Um, You're uh, saying you wouldn't want Ben Shapiro to come on? I would love Ben Shapiro to come on. I want to. You don't, you don't want him to come to the basement? I want to. Oh, yes, I do actually. I want Ben Shapiro to come in. I want to talk basketball with Ben Shapiro because if you didn't see, or if you didn't see or hear him say this, he said that um, he wants politics out of his sports because it makes him uncomfortable because sports are his safe place and he doesn't want to deal with politics then. Right. And I was like, oh, Benny boy. So he does have a safe space. Yeah, and then uh, he was watching a recent video where he's trying to debunk redlining um, and debunk systemic racism. And uh, Interesting. I, don't, I don't know the statistic. If intern or somebody, or if one of our fans, listeners, wants to come and, and give us the actual statistic, please Let's just do. crowdsource the yeah. work. But yeah, the, uh, the I don't remember, again, I don't remember the statistic, I don't remember the study, but people who have more minority or black-sounding names are significantly less likely to get... Um, interview callbacks than those who have white sounding names so like a john smith is much more likely to get a uh, a callback for an interview than like a latoya jackson yeah um and here's the weird part is like i would totally not call john smith because that's a fucking fake name <laughs> but you know what's interesting is that like a latoya jackson or you know um like lebron jefferson sure whatever it might be those last names were given to African Americans based on their were based on their slave owner. Like yeah. that's where the origin that's that's where black last names originate from, which mm-hmm. is unbelievable to me. Um, I, I, I'm a history teacher, and I just learned that recently. You know that that was I, I never even associated those two things together. Interesting. Uh, so I apologize. Where do you think they came from? I, I don't know. I uh, and so I thought it was I ignorance. I I thought family name. But where did the family? The where did the family from? come yeah. from? So I, I claim ignorance on that. That's that's my fault. But um, I'm glad I got some enlightenment with that. Uh, but Ben Shapiro was talking. He was he tried to make the he. Try, I, I'm like I can't even get it out. It's so ridiculous. He tried to make the argument that he goes well yeah well he's like well you know it, it's no doubt that somebody's going to take a name like John Smith over Latoya Jackson because it's going to be a lower risk type of person if you can yeah you can't see this but I'm doing his Ben Shapiro head shakes because he can't speak with just like looking at the camera he has to like it's he's like a very he's, necky guy yeah, he's like he's seizing all the time from the neck up you know there's so much rage and discomfort Ugh, I mean God. he says he's uncomfortable with politics being his worth I yeah. feel like Ben Shapiro is uncomfortable about a lot of things yes he is yes he is. Um, and, uh, he was like, but if you were to take it and look at a Jewish perspective, and if you were to look at like a Ben Horowitz, well, a Ben Horowitz is going to be much more, uh, you know, it's going to be much more likely to be hired in than a, a Benjamin Horowitz. And I was like, what are you talking about? You, you angry little person. Um, he, 
That's Ugh. that's that's very spooky to hear yeah. that. Like from the thing is, is like he has a platform, and it's not a small one. Like it's no, it, he's it's doing, like well known. He's doing this for cash. Yeah, I think Ben Shapiro's a very smart guy. I think he's misguided. I think Ben Shapiro's a very smart guy. He's one of these debate lords who he's so good at manipulating conversations and winning arguments. He doesn't need to have facts on his side. His whole thing is facts over feelings, but really that's just like a mantra that he's going to try and overwhelm you with. Right. Um, he, he went to Harvard law. He graduated Harvard law early, I believe. I mean, they just wanted him to get the fuck out yeah. of there. <laughs> so They're like, uh, Ben, we know you yeah. have 12 credits left, but just get, just out. get out. I know, you know, I'm not going to take away his intelligence because I, I do think he's a smart guy. He's just, using his brain for such evil and that's why i'm going to take away his intelligence and say that's fucking dumb yes because at the end of the day when you die and let's pretend for a moment that there is a heaven he's gonna have to answer to somebody possibly and they're gonna be like oh so you spent you spent that brain power you got <laughs> the application's gonna come into heaven. It's gonna be a Ben Shapiro, a, a, ben, hmm. a, a Benjamin Shapiro. Yeah, yeah. Sorry, no. Nah, no. <laughs> <laughs> no, but like, it's just from like a moral standpoint, did, did, right? Did, the, did producer like that joke? I don't know. Let's go ask her. <laughs> but just from like a moral standpoint, and this is really all I can speak to because I'm not a history buff. I don't know anything about history other than things happened, and some of which are like not my fault, yep. but some of them indirectly are maybe. Um, so all I can really speak to is like from a morality standpoint and somebody that has intelligence and then using it to promote offenses against human rights, you're just an evil fucking person. Yeah. I don't care. I don't even want to call it misguided. You know exactly what you're doing. I would love to find somebody so ignorant just to be like, oh, I have no idea. But maybe that's where the conversation comes down. It's kind of engaging with this person. And this kind of goes back to what we were talking about before, where it's like you have somebody expressing these opinions that... Maybe you don't share. Maybe you can even call them or describe them as conservative. But then it's kind of figuring out, are they doing this because they don't know any better? Or are they doing this because they're fucking assholes? Yeah. And that's where you have to really identify whether or not... I'm going to unfriend grandpa on Facebook. I don't have that problem anymore because I don't have any grandpas left. Um, and funny enough, they're both kind of conservative. So... I'm kind of glad I don't know what their opinions would be with everything going on, yeah. but I can imagine what they would be. Um, you know, and he, to, to continue with the Ben Shapiro, uh, I... Let's keep talking yeah, about him. He he does know what he's doing. Or a Candace Owens. I hate Candace Owens. I don't know who she is. Oh, you're so lucky. Yeah. She, Candace Owens is the, um, is the leader of the Blexit movement. She was part of Turning Points USA. She's a young black woman. Um, she was part of Turning Points USA with Charlie Kirk and that whole, like... I know who Charlie Kirk... Isn't that sexist to me? Like, I don't know... I only no. know, like, the male assholes, but not the women assholes. No, 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 no. Uh, so, what basically, what her whole spiel is that I was a black woman who was indoctrinated by the Democratic Party... I have seen their flaws. I hate them now, and now I want all black people to exit the Democratic Party. And she uses it something uses it as a um, movement called Blexit. Uh, that she... sounds like Wolverine's origin story a little bit. <laughs> like I was created in a lab, and then I saw the evils at the lab, and now yes. I want me and all of my other like adamantium skeleton friends to leave. Yes, yes, that is uh, that's essentially what she is. Um, they know what they're doing. 
Candace Owens is selling out for cash. There's no other. There's no, There's nothing that anybody else can say to me that would convince me otherwise. Mm-hmm. That you can say that she's a horrible person. She is a horrible person. But do I really think that she is? That initially she believed in such abhorrent ideals and policies? No. Mm-hmm. No. I think that somebody showed her a lot of green and said, "We need a black woman to say that Republican ideals are good," and she said, "Yeah." Yeah. So she's a bit of a sellout. Ben Shapiro knows damn well what he's doing. Yeah. Knows damn well what he's doing. I do believe, though, that unlike Candace Owens, Ben Shapiro really believes and drinks his own Kool-Aid. I, I truly believe that. I do not think that he's, he's, you know, he sees above his own fog, and he's like, I know how the world really works, but I'm just selling a character. I, I really think that he drinks his own Kool-Aid, and and uh his his abhorrent policies are nothing but him spewing his uh, i don't somebody must have hurt ben when he was a child and just led him down a path of conservative darkness but you know what i think happened is he was a kid i'm sure at some point <laughs> and Somebody no, he he just popped out as an angry thirty-year-old man. No, he needs to have an origin story, as we all do. I think what happened was he was a kid. Somebody spotted the ice cream truck, and all the kids kind of like lined up for some like you know a few bucks to go get some ice cream. But his orthodox parents said he couldn't do that. No, I think what happened is by the time he went to the person for a handout, they ran out of money, mm-hmm. and he's just like, "Well, I'm the most hardworking little boy here." I deserve to get $2 for ice cream just like everybody else. And then he was like, you know what? Fuck socialism. It's for it's for a bunch of whiners. And I you know, I don't want handouts. I don't want government handouts. And I think that's what started this awful garbage fire. Uh, you know, I like that orange in the story, by the way. We should write a comic about him. I don't want to write or draw anything about him. Well, no, we can just shine him as being such a horrible person. Actually, I want to ask you a question real quick, because you you said something interesting about, is he trying to sell this as a character? And I like the idea of, like, 10 years from now, when, let's let's just say that the United States gets, like, super progressive. I know this isn't going to happen, but just just walk with me on this. We're in a super progressive thing. We're kind of, like, hunting these, like, people with these conservative platforms, and we Mm -hmm. just say, like, you know, we really don't like that you tried to perpetuate some of these ideas so we're going to sentence you to like community service right mm-hmm. like not jail but just like you have to make the you have to clean up oh my goodness we, we have prison reform and we're going to do like rehabilitating things you need to give back to society right what an incredible idea right so it's like a little bit of a thought police thing yeah. and i know it's like kind of like dancing with the devil on that one but just go with me so we we hunt him down and we're like all right ben you have to clean up all of the parks it's going to be 30 years of labor, unpaid, right? Um, at what point is Ben Shapiro going to be like, oh, no, guys, I was I was doing a bit this whole time. <laughs> that's the thing, though, is, like, bits are funny. He's not funny no, he's at not. all. No, that's exactly... Remember, you know Alex Jones? Yeah. Alex Jones, when he was going through his divorce proceedings, was saying in court yeah. that he was a character. See, like, I would believe that more because he's so outrageous. Did you see when he said when he threatened to eat his neighbor's ass? Oh wow! That was don't threaten me with a good time. <laughs> he, I mean, I'm, that's taking it out of context, but he he that's literally he, his he, job yeah, though. He, he was sitting there, he was like, no. Oh. <laughs> oh. I don't think I'm ready to chop my neighbor up and eat him. I'll I'll, I'll hang my neighbor up. 
I'll cut him up to bits. I'll eat his ass. Wow. That's like, what the? You wonder what his Saturday night was like. <laughs> that, that, that was like one of the first things that popped into his head. Oh, I love listening to him. Yeah. Not 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 as my information. I just, you know, I get bored on Saturdays. Are you, are you a secret conservative? <laughs> yeah. Just going to destruct the show? Uh, I'm a secret mole person. Yeah. Um, but yeah, I you know, it's tough when it comes to a guy like Ben Shapiro. And and we were talking about this earlier as well. First Amendment stuff? or First Amendment stuff, yeah. yeah that, that, there we go. I, I'm, I'm glad that we can transition into this. Wow, look at... For our listeners, we are getting so good yeah. at seamlessly transitioning into all of our talking points. Yeah, and then at some point we'll get to a point where we won't even have to acknowledge it. Yes. Because uh, that'll be the true seamless transition. <laughs> um, but the uh, you have a guy like Ben Shapiro, who or like Laura Ingram, mm-hmm. people who are spreading Tucker Carlson, even Sean Han, just just Fox News, really. Right. Yeah. <laughs> um, You're just gonna name the entire yeah. cast. Uh, who are, oh God, what's it? Lou Dobbs? Oh my yeah. God. Lou Dobbs is like the human. He's a human thumb. He's those thumb creatures from spy kids. If they had voices, oh, God, God, they're disgusting. He's disgusting. Um, but you have, you know, you got guys like Ben Shapiro and if they are advocating for, if they're advocating for the perpetuation of social, of, of social inequality, you know, mm-hmm. of, of income inequality, and, uh, I mean, he does a very good job of, like, backtracking and, you know, he'll talk about how, um, you know, school, like, redlining schools, uh, schools in lower socioeconomic areas obviously do not have as much funding as those in wealthier areas. And he'll say, well, of course I don't. Well, of course, little, you know, little Johnny's school is going to get less money than, you know, uh, Lance's school. And that's just the way it is. But uh, little Johnny has the opportunity to go someplace else. Like, he can he can choose. Those schools are not made bad because they're bad. They're bad. They're bad because of personal choice. And it's like, oh, my God. And then he goes, well, of course. And then he backtracks and he goes, well, of course I want everybody to have a good education. No, you don't. No, you don't. You don't want everybody to have a good ed- education. What you want is the, for the perpetuation of the system because it's benefiting you. And if he doesn't say that sentence of the, I don't, you know, when if he doesn't say the sentence of, I want everybody to have a quality education, is he inciting? social inequality are perpetuating that ideology and should be he be held accountable for that like and i'm saying it's just for argument's sake but where does the first amendment go in terms of censorship to try and you know limit what types of misinformation can be brought out there you know what i mean like i'm all for i'm i'm gonna use an example of flag burning Flag burning is not something that I would participate in because it would just make me uncomfortable. Mm-hmm. But, you know, if we lived in a country where if you burned a flag and then you were arrested for burning the flag, I'd be terrified. But what we should be proud of is living in a country where we can burn the flag and the country can't do much about it. You know what I mean? Like the government can't arrest you for burning the flag, even if you're doing it in some sort of horrid way. Mm-hmm. Burning the flag is it's acceptable. You can say that. I mean, you can go online and type on Twitter, be like, I fucking hate said group of people yeah and you're not going to get in trouble for it right but if you're perpetuating this idea and the goal of the country is to become a more tolerant and peaceful place should or could those types of policies be made and how do we come to that conclusion of what is acceptable and what is not you know what i mean yeah i mean we were talking about this in the car before um the idea of 
I was saying before, and I think I even referenced Ben Shapiro, is like, here's a guy that I don't believe in any of his values or anything that he spouts from his throne or whatever you want to call it. I don't think he should have a platform. And then I thought, well, that argument could be made about somebody that, you know, disagrees with me and my opinions and then see somebody's like, you know, I don't like that speaker. I don't think they should have a platform because it's just they're just perpetuating all of these like liberal yeah. myths and all this other type of stuff. But like, I don't know, I kind of feel like liberal myths, you know, quote unquote, like they don't really incite violence. No, you know, um, I'm you ever hear of Jordan Peterson. Mm, sounds familiar. Jordan Peterson is a Canadian philosopher, psychologist, political commentator. Um, I don't agree with much of anything that Jordan Peterson says, but uh, he was talking on the Joe Rogan podcast about extreme leftism versus extreme rightism. Mm -hmm. And he was talking about how extreme leftism is basically the um, equality of outcome. Not equal opportunity, but equality of outcome. And I don't believe in equality of outcome. I don't think everybody should have the same life. Every, you know, a doctor and a teacher should have very different lives. Mm -hmm. You know, but I believe in equal opportunity, where everyone can have a chance to compete and have it. You know, live on a, with a social safety net, so we all can live decently. So you it's know? like if you wanted to be a teacher or a doctor, yeah, it's okay. Exactly. And you won't get penalized for not making mm -hmm. a decision to be a doctor mm -hmm. because you could be a teacher and still be able to afford things. Yes, of course. So um, he talks about, so that's extreme leftism, quality okay. of, of outcome. And that's almost like communism in its purest form. A communal, you know, communal society. There's no possessions. Everybody's working together. Everybody gets the same thing. Okay. What he, go, what he says next is extreme rightism is fascist dictatorship, you know? And then he goes, I think that people on the left, on the extreme left, should be packed up in a box and put, up, put on the shelf and we should disregard them. But the problem is, is that a quality of outcome doesn't have the same guttural punch, as he says, as extreme rightism. Extreme rightism incites genocide, hate, discrimination and violence mm -hmm. extreme leftism says let's all hold hands and sing kumbaya it's hippy dippy love shit. Yeah, yeah exactly exactly so you know i'm i'm thinking to myself as i'm watching this the spec when we talk about the political spectrum i feel like the right side of the spectrum goes so much further and it's than, scarier yeah than the left side yeah and it holds so much heavier shit mm -hmm. so you know, I'm much more terrified of a right-wing commentator spouting far-right propaganda than a left-wing guy spitting far-left propaganda. Right. You know, what are these left-wingers going to say? Oh, let's legalize prostitution. Oh, let's legalize and regulate drugs. Let's let's give free college. Let's give health care. Right. What are these what are these far-right wingers saying? Let's deregulate the market. Let's have capitalism run its course, and everybody will have equal opportunity because there are no regulations. That makes no sense to me. No, because the, you. That, that creates oligarchy. That's, an, that's not even oligarchy. It's just aristocracy. Right. And, and not to mention, like, some people already have, like, a foot in the door. Exactly. You know, it's like, so even, like, even for people that, because let's be honest, they're just like, oh, white people make out fine. Like, let's just say you're a white guy, but you're poor. Like, you're not going to get any benefit from that, just as, you know, a black person yeah. might. Right? Like, there's mm -hmm. no, like, we're, if you're, if you don't already have money, you're not going to get more by deregulating the economy exactly. or anything like exactly. that. Exactly. Um, and 
So it, it gets to be such a strange place. And I'm not advocating for Ben Shapiro to be canceled off the air. I'm, I I'm, am, though. I, I, I'm not advocating for that because would I like for him to be off the air? Yes. Do I think he's doing more harm than he is good? Yes. Is he protected under the First Amendment of the Constitution? Yes. But I feel like, and this is really just a, a question up for discussion, because I, I don't know, and I think I would need to, to really think this one out, but if you can prove, and it's so hard to do so, but if you can prove that somebody like Ben Shapiro or Fox News is doing more harm than good with their, with their propaganda, should they be held accountable, and can the First Amendment shut them down? I would, I would say yes. Okay. I think if you can reasonably prove it, if you can reasonably prove that anything is bad for society, like without a shadow of a doubt, yeah. which I'm sure is asking a lot, I think that's when something like Fox News or uh, Turning Point USA, like all of those conservative sort of oh, wait, outlets. Oh, yeah. Yeah. One American News Network, by the way. If anybody's ever watched One American News Network, I am so sorry. It's the worst. It's like... I don't think I have the... I don't think I'm in the tax bracket to afford that channel. <laughs> they... they um, Their show broadcasts from inside Trump's butthole. Ah. Yeah. Okay. They just... They love him. That's so. why they have so much lighting. Oh, God, they suck. Oh, my God, they suck. That's Yeah, it's just because his butthole is illuminating from all of the, the injections of... Of bleach, cl- and bleach and Clorox. Yeah, it's just making his skin <laughs> nice and translucent. Oh, Much like a ghost. He's sick. The highest form of white people. Oh, God. <laughs> Let's cancel Casper. Oh. <laughs> but he's a good one. <laughs> oh, God. Um, but, yeah, so if you ask me, I do think if you can prove that something is doing more harm for our society than good, it should be hashtag cancel culture. Mm-hmm. But, like, legally, yeah. so it doesn't have that, like, kind of, like, bitchy Twitter cancel culture thing. Yeah. And I get that there's some people on Twitter that have, like, somewhat justified opinions of, like, hey, maybe we shouldn't get behind this celebrity anymore. In some cases. Yeah. Not a lot of them. I don't agree with a lot of them. But I agree, yeah. there are certain cases where it's kind of like, yeah, that guy's like, let, let's not let's not give him any more work. Kevin Spacey, if you're listening. Yes. In your weird basement. Um... <laughs> Before we go, is there? Did you want to talk about your change yeah, of opinion? I was, I was going to. I was going to piggyback off of that. Yeah. The, um, our last show, we were ta- we were again talking about the First Amendment. Yeah. And uh, I was saying how I was hesitant that if there were to be riots or there were to be parades of KKK members or white supremacist movements or really anything that really just white supremacist movements are the main force of discrimination in the United States, but. Um, if they were to be parading in the street, I just I don't think that we should deny them their right to freedom of speech. You know, like the Charlottesville, um, the Charlottesville riots were were absolutely horrible. But I was saying then, you know, they were well within their rights to protest and and have their own parade. I have shifted, and um, recent events have shown me where I've seen Black Lives Matter movements and protests being decimated and destroyed mm-hmm. by these police officers, by white supremacist groups, where parallel to them walking down the street are KKK members protesting everything that is abhorrent in this world. And police officers and people say nothing about them, but constantly ridicule the people who are fighting for social justice. 
I don't think that those people should have a public platform. I do not. I have moved. If those people want to associate in private gatherings, they're more than welcome to do so. They're protected under the First Amendment in that case. However, like I say in my classroom to my students, what you say has ramifications. And if it is to the detriment of somebody else in the classroom, or if what you say has a detri is, is a detriment to people in society, you should not be allowed to say it. There's a reason why white people cannot use the N-word. When we say it, it's dehumanizing. But there's a reason why systemic racism is a thing. There's a reason why racism is a thing. It's because people can overtly do something or systems can be put into place that assist others more than they do other minority or marginalized groups. So I wanted to I wanted to let all of you know that I um, I've changed my view on that and uh, I, it was it's tough for me still. I mean obviously you've heard over the course of this this episode where I'm still struggling on First Amendment stuff what should be and what should be allowed and what should not be allowed. I've I've considered myself to be much of a First Amendment absolutist where I think everybody should be given platforms. When we were talking about Ben Shapiro before, the you know I hated when um, like UC Berkeley protested him coming on and then didn't want him to speak. Uh, my whole thing was like, let him speak at UC Berkeley, and if you hate him that much, then just debate him. Like go and counter you know counter protest with your views and have your views go up against his. But you know the KKK. <laughs> parading through the streets of like Oxford, New Jersey, or you're going through um, Los Angeles, or I've seen them in Atlanta, these videos, it's, it's disgusting to me. And I don't think that hate groups should have a public public platform. Yeah, I wouldn't be too down on yourself for wrestling with the First Amendment issue. Because I mean, we as a country have been wrestling that since the day we got it on paper. And we you know, I think there's always that notion of like, well, if we ban this, we might ban other things. But I feel like it's like, dude, just you know what's right. Like, come on. It's yeah. it's like with uh, it's like with pornography where they're just like, you know, uh, it's like how do you define uh, what was like lewd or mm -hmm. I, I'm really blanking on the words here. Again, I'm not a history person or obscenity. How do you define what obscenity is? And they're just like, well, I know it when I see it. And I I think modern Americans are smart enough to go, what is hate speech? I know it when I see it. Yeah. And I don't think it should be protected. Yeah, and, and what bothers me so much more is that we're struggling with this and we're able to have an incredibly good civil discourse. And again, if anybody wants to join in in our conversation, please email us um, at the social po uh, social, uh, Socialist Podcast. Um, but don't call us on the phone like that one caller before. Yeah. <laughs> uh, but, you know, email us. Um, send us tweet us uh send us a message send us messages on instagram we'd love to have you in on the conversation because um we know that our listeners and us ourselves we're, we're constantly having this civil discourse trying to get this further understanding of what's going on again referencing some marvin gay yeah. full full circle um but uh what bothers me is that we can do so much better 
than those who are actually in power. And uh, before we go, I just want to make sure that we can shitpost Nancy Pelosi because that bullshit that she pulled while she was kneeling down in the Capitol building, wearing culturally appropriating black people while wearing African garb. What the fuck are you thinking, Nancy? Go you know back, you know go back to your $20,000 refrigerator and eat your goddamn $11 pints of ice cream, you stupid idiot. You know what she was thinking, though? Oh, they'll like this. Oh. Who the they is, well, you and I both know. It's fucking her... Chuck Schumer. <laughs> Chuck Schumer's like, oh, God, Nancy, that's a great idea. My nipples are getting erect just looking at <laughs> oh, it. Oh, man. All right, ladies and gentlemen, thank you so much for joining us on this very special Juneteenth episode of Closet Socialists, where uh, the only place you can listen to two white people talk about black issues. Yeah, so clearly we're, we're great sources for this. Yeah. Anyway, take care, and if you're going to go protest, uh, stay safe. Please, wear a mask.